my name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by My Hockey Resource and Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Sam Robertson, assistant coach with the Barry Junior Sharks. Currently in women's hockey, Sam has also coached boys in various minor hockey roles. Spending time as an assistant coach before becoming a head coach and recently learning video as well, he provides a lot of insight that relates to the minor hockey followers and those looking to jump into the world of coaching. With that, here is Sam Robertson, assistant coach with the Barry Junior Sharks. Today we're joined by Sam Robertson, assistant coach with the Barry Junior Sharks. Sam, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Yeah, I'm ecstatic to have you on today. I know we talked uh, there in late 2020 about getting you on uh, beforehand, but as we uh, we talked about a little bit here today, it was a, a crazy month and we're finally able to get you on the podcast here and hear a little bit about your story. So uh, start us off here by talking about your upbringing, maybe tell people where you're from and then talked about your, uh, you know, playing sports throughout your youth years. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm born and raised in Barrie, Ontario, just uh, about an hour north of Toronto up to 400. Um, raised in a, in a sports family. I'm the oldest child. My father was a pretty good hockey player growing up, went to some OHL camps, notably Windsor, and ultimately uh, finished his career at Brock University, uh, played a couple years there. On the growing up, we were always on the ice. I mean, my dad would build a rink in the backyard, and if we didn't have one that year, you know, we'd go and find one. And my my grandfather's as well, same thing. They were always involved in you know having a rink or finding one, and always trying to accommodate me and you know my passion for hockey. Uh, so I'm pretty grateful for those three guys. Uh, my mother, not much of an athlete growing up, but was always heavily involved in sport through multiple channels. Uh, most notably right now, she's, um, one of the anchors in the most recently launched sports administration program through Georgian college here in Barrie. Uh, when I was a kid, she was working at Seneca college and plethora of different recreation roles. So I got the chance to spend a ton of time in the summer on the ice at the Newnham campus down in, uh, Toronto. Um, speaking about my grandfathers, you know, they had a huge, role in my upbringing and my passion for sport on my father's side um that family's rooted in hamilton so we always used to go to tiger cats games and that was something that he always loved to do so i was always on board with that but uh no matter you know what he had going on that day he'd always make the time to take me out whether it was golfing or to the rink or basketball whatever we wanted to do he was always up for it when he came to my games when I was a player he would always walk in the room post game to see me sometimes he'd be walking in and the coach would still be talking and he'd come sit down and take a picture and that was always funny um, but he showed the passion that he had and watching me play and I always enjoyed that so we always had a great time together um, on my mother's side my grandfather was probably one of the hardest working guys I've ever come across I mean this guy was up at 6 a.m. every day finding things to do around the farm or around the house and he was a hell of an athlete growing up I'm told as well by my mom and my grandma she, um, they always talk about uh, you know his time at St. Mike's he played football and hockey and he was a great friend of uh, the late Pat Quinn I always heard stories about Pat so uh, that was pretty cool and um, when I started coaching in, I believe, 2016, 
we we always talk about it when we were together and he started to realize how much I was I really enjoyed it and how I loved it and uh in 2017 we went on this massive playoff run and every single game he'd call me before and he'd ask how I was feeling before the game you know what do I think what's gonna happen and he wouldn't go to bed until I called him after and gave him the scoop and I mean, I'm sure you guys have the same schedule. You know, some nights you're not getting out of the rink till 10, 11, you know, almost midnight some nights, depending on schedules. And this guy usually went to bed at 8, 9 p.m. And he'd stay up till midnight until I called him. So um, the one cool thing I'll take from him is when we finally won, I got to surprise him with the trophy and a visit at the farm. And um, that was actually the last time I saw him. So pretty grateful I got to do that. But I had a lot of uh, really cool um, people around me and, mostly my family of course and uh you know they were always involved and rooted in sports so um you know hockey was always foremost i had a brief stint in football and played a lot in high school there that was kind of my secondary sport i tried to um go ahead as a two-sport athlete uh, and the college ranks didn't end up working out but um yeah those were kind of the two i was rooted on the most i played other stuff of course growing up but um those are my two and then uh, my playing career kind of ended and, you know, I got into coaching. So that's kind of how, you know, I've been around the, the game and, you know, other sports and all together and, um, you know, kind of started coaching from there. So, yeah, a lot of uh, connections are evident in that story. And uh, it's always great to hear when your family's involved and whether it's hockey or another sport, just to, uh, you know, have that interaction on different levels and, uh, you know, many people have that connection uh, with their grandparents and parents, you know, especially with rinks in the front yard or the backyard. And uh, I know we had one for a while and then pretty much me and my buddies got too big for the rink that we had. So uh, my dad says, time for you guys to find a pond or a rink somewhere else. And that's what we did. We found a, a small pond in the woods and we used to go up there all the time and um, have those experiences. But no, it's, it's great to hear that you had those connections and uh, sport was a you know a huge part of your life early on so you talked about after your playing career you started going into coaching and, and going down that route which you are today uh, just talk about coaching and, and starting off early on you know doing some hockey camps such as the national training rinks things like that and um, how you feel this uh, you know that start and, and getting those experiences early on were beneficial uh, you know moving forward yeah, I started working at uh, a private rink here in town called National Training Rinks. There's a couple of locations across Ontario, mostly in the GTA, but uh, we have one here in town. Um, in high school, they gave me a job. I, uh, I started out just basically helping out with, you know, initiation programs such as Learn to Skate, First Time Hockey. I'd always get thrown into some other ones too as, you know, the years went on. But um, I didn't really realize how uh, much of a factor, how much I'd like it until I got into it a little bit more. And, and I'll dive into that a little bit later, but um, I started doing higher performance stuff, you know, such as elite defense or, you know, high scoring, those types of classes. And that's kind of where I picked up the interest in coaching a little bit. After I went away to school in uh, Hamilton, I came back and they ended up making me a head instructor. So I ended up, uh, you know, carving out a pretty good role for myself there running programs and it allowed me to see how I was handle, uh, able to handle leadership roles and test my knowledge of the game. Um, like I said, I didn't know, um, you know, at the time that that experience would be so detrimental in uh, my coaching career, you know, being there for seven or eight years. Played a really important role in my early success, still plays a lot of, you know, has a big part in my success today. Players are always looking to develop any way they can now, you know, at any level 
because of this experience, I'm able to help them in many ways that I believe other coaches may not be able to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think a lot of people look, uh, or at least, you know, if they can't find that position, they would like to have that position early on just to get a feel for coaching. And like you said, a lot of time it can be just with kids learning to skate and those are early entry programs. But, uh, you know, once you get into the, the higher performance and get to work on some more specific stuff with players who are maybe looking to make the next jump, it definitely gets uh, more interesting and you can kind of put your own uh, twist on different things. So um, it's exciting to hear that you had a you know very positive experience with that early on and uh, were able to move into coaching later on. Another experience I want to talk about is your time with athletic knit. You know, a lot of people realize uh, there's different entry points to hockey and different things you can learn in those positions and uh, working in that industry, you know, you're able to connect with a lot of coaches, teams, and other people uh, throughout sports. Just talk about that role and kind of how it maybe helped you work on those, uh, you know, social skills and, and connecting with people in hockey specifically. So I went to school for for marketing, and um, you know, as most guys will do that have a sporting background, like I did, or you know, roots in sport, you're always looking at you know trying to find a, a place to work that has those sort of ties. And I was lucky enough to get an opportunity with athletic in the sales role. Um, with regards to working with teams and uh, programs and such, the way that they have um, their sales um, process set up, it, it's mostly through intermediaries such as uh, sporting goods stores, things like that, decorators. So I didn't have much of um, an opportunity to connect directly with teams as much as I would have liked. Um, but, uh, I did end up, uh, getting to meet some amazing people and, you know, some people who are involved in the game at, uh, obviously a higher level than just working at a sporting goods store. Um, in my time there, I was assigned to a territory of Saskatchewan and Alaska. So not the warmest places on earth, but, uh, I did enjoy my time out there. Um, you know, some guys that I ended up meeting, uh, Bobby Dubinsky, as uh, obviously his brother is Brandon, plays from Columbus. He's one of the guys I got a chance to build a friendship with, and we've been able to stay in touch. He's a great friend. I, I think he's a great friend of mine, and he's been really supportive of my journey. And, you know, in the coaching world, he actually does a lot of, you know, work um, with, you know, teams in Anchorage and players there. So he's pretty rooted in hockey up there. Um, I've got some other buddies that I made in Saskatchewan as well. You know, and I've talked to them recently, just being that the Sharks are looking to recruit outside of the province. So, so we've been a little bit, um, you know, moving forward there and they've been helpful in giving me the landscape. So um, lots of relationships that I've built there. Again, you know, you spoke on the tactics of, you know, sales and things like that and how it relates to, to a coaching role, you know, most specifically recruiting. So I learned a lot about that, you know, communication as well. So I took a lot from that. Um, but most importantly, built a lot of great relationships that I still cherish today. Yeah, a lot of people find in those positions where maybe you don't see a direct tie to hockey, things can, you know, snowball and lead to other opportunities down the road. Uh, one of the ones that I talk about about myself is uh, working with Trevor Murphy at a kid's summer camp uh, leading into an internship with the Newfoundland Growlers. So a lot of different opportunities uh, to meet people and have those interactions, uh, even in a role such as that. Moving back into coaching, uh, early on you had some time to work as an assistant coach at both the A and AA levels. Just talk about that experience and maybe moving into some more competitive hockey uh, and just maybe the role of an assistant coach uh, with those teams. Yeah, I, I love this question because I think um, I can honestly say that I wouldn't be where I am today if I wasn't an assistant. And 
your role as an assistant is more important than anyone outside of team roles can ever imagine. I mean, the wheels don't spin without a good assistance on a staff. I learned that from being an assistant and it really came to the forefront when I was a head coach and, you know, trying to understand, you know, how to, you know, delegate and things like that and how important it is to have support staff with you while you're working with teams. Um, I was extremely lucky to be given a shot from, from a guy I coach with now, Ed Morrow, and we'll get to him a little bit later. He's an incredible guy. He's, he's so hungry to learn more every day and he saw my potential. And, you know, the second we started working, we developed the trust in each other right away. And, you know, next thing you know, a year and a half later, we're hoisting the OMHA championship together. So it was a crazy whirlwind. I'm, I'm really thankful I got the chance to, to develop in a role like that. And, learned a lot about how to connect with the players from a support role and how to conduct yourself on a day-to-day basis. And I think that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, definitely. Uh, An assistant coach role is something that I'm starting to get into now. And uh, it's definitely a a different dynamic and it can be uh, a learning experience for sure. For anybody that wants to be a head coach, you know, you have to work on uh, your specific area and just supporting the team wherever it's needed. And uh, head coaches will lean on you in certain situations and you just have to be ready to take on that responsibility when it comes your way. And, you know, as you move forward, you would eventually move into that head coach role again at the A and AA level. Just talk about the learning curve um, in that initial jump. I know you had the experience of an assistant coach, but how did it differ? And, um, you know, how did you respond given your uh, experience to that date? Well, I'll talk about the the transition from one role to the next. Obviously, they overlap. You're applying to to be a head coach at the time, and I would say this is probably the hardest part of my career thus far was making that conversion. Obviously, being confident in my abilities and having such immediate success right away in coaching. I mean, the first two years I was an assistant, we we finished first in the league, and the next year we won the OMHA. So uh, I was pretty certain that I could run my own program. I really wanted that, and being that you know the landscape for minor hockey in Barry is a little bit different. Our AAA program is separate from Barry Minor Hockey, which specifically handles AA and under. I wanted a shot at the top level. I got interviewed while I was working with the Adams in 2018. That was a AA team, and they passed on me. Ultimately, ended up getting a team with Barry Minor that year, um, but just still couldn't figure out why I wasn't able to get that higher up job. And uh, I went back again the next year after having a good year in my first year as a, a head coach, and they turned me away again. So it's just one of those things where I kept, you know, having question marks pop up in my head going, you know, why isn't this happening? Um, but I, I relished uh, the opportunity that I was given in, with Barry Minor, and I took a ton of things away from that first year. You know, we had a really good team, and we did have a good year, but I felt like one of the things that I uh, faulted on was I invested a lot of energy and specific to winning more so than player development and just creating that good environment. And that summer I really evaluated my approach and uh, made a lot of changes, came back better the next year with my Bantam AA program the year after. And um, really I just learned that you do have to incorporate a little bit of a trial and error process to an extent to see what works for you, uh, especially in that first year when you're in that role. Uh, It's certainly one to use to find your footing and your pillars uh, that you want to move forward with. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a complete different experience than, you know, being an assistant coach as you're in control of things like that player development and the atmosphere, you know, you, um, it's different things that you learn along the way. And while, you know, you probably wanted to move on to that next step uh, while being in that team that you were given the opportunity to coach, you know, you're able to learn these things, which moving forward would definitely be beneficial at that next level. So uh, before we move into the PWHL, 
Um, you know, I talked to a lot of people, uh, mainly at the AAA level to date, but just talking about working at that minor midget level, the Bantam level, and a lot of the kids that are looking to get drafted uh, around that time, you know, agents and advisors start to come into play, but maybe just taking it one level below at the AA and even the A level. Um, what's the task like dealing with those players who are maybe considering other paths? Maybe they're doubting uh, making that next jump in hockey while, you know, they shouldn't be because there is still that time to develop uh, definitely at A and AA level, but just maybe watch your experience working with those players and keeping everybody focused on the, uh, the goals at hand. Yeah, I think obviously there's a lot of a lot more stress and a lot more pressure at the AAA level, and I, you know, obviously avoided that a little bit, but I do have experience with it. Um, this has probably been my favorite age group to work with is the Bantam and Minor Midgets. The way that they grow mentally and physically in that eight-month span that you're together is just incredible to see. The big thing I learned about those players is uh, a good, enjoyable environment that they love coming to every day is the best way to connect with them and get the most out of them. Um, this also, you know puts aside all the stuff that's external when you're when you're entering the building um and i think that's that's a healthy healthy thing for these players um yeah at the a level of course many of the players are just in it to to play and enjoy the game and be with their friends and, and their buddies and just create some memories and we at the a level created an environment that allowed that our players ultimately found the desire to win and you know our ultimate job at the end of the day was to guide them and we did that with minor uh, my bantam double a team last year uh, I made a, a priority to do a similar thing. I had some great coaches and trainers who I brought on that made the rink an awesome place to be for our guys. And we ensured that uh, each day they showed up day, every day at the rink to work. Uh, but we always reminded them that they need to enjoy it and um, you know relish that moment that, uh, that we have together. That Bantam AA team was probably the most talented group I've coached. Um, they were a AAA team in my mind. It's uh, it's truly unfortunate to see how COVID's going to play a serious impact and how the the next step works out for them, being that they're in their draft year now. But uh, you know, we had some really really good hockey players in that team, and you know, a lot of them had bright futures in hockey. And uh, unfortunately, you know, some of them may not uh, may not even proceed now. So. Um, yeah, the, the big thing for me, like I said, the pillars there, just creating that good environment and uh, just allowing them to to enjoy being in the rink and just pushing out that outside noise. Definitely. And I think uh, even this year in COVID, you know, it, it's going to be tough to uh, for a lot of players kind of keeping their minds focused on that goal and, and maybe getting back into it when the opportunity does come. But uh, it's uh, maybe a task for coaches to try to keep that mindset like you did uh, when the players were on the ice just to you know, keep them focused and have them ready for when the opportunity does come. So today you're with the Barry Junior Sharks and, and you're working as an assistant coach there. Just talk about how that opportunity came to uh, join that team and what your experience has been uh, thus far with them. Yeah, so head coach of the team right now is Ed Morrow. I worked with him in my first two years of coaching. So that's kind of how the uh, job came about. It's actually kind of a funny story. You know, Ed, of, Ed and I have, you know, stayed connected you know, even when I was, you know, out of my own and coaching, you know, my own teams. And uh, I always supported Eddie and I ended up going to a couple of games and I show up to the rink one time and I'm show I show up a little bit late. So I'll take fall for that. But I look at the bench as I'm walking in the rink and he's not on there. So I was a little curious as to what was going on. I go to the, to the far end of the rink, I sit down and there he is sitting. So something happened. I, I guess there was a, you know, a suspension or what have you. And, we sat and watched the, the game together and I gave him my two cents and we, you know, 
threw jabs back and forth about what uh, you know his team at that time would uh, what they needed and what he wanted to do with them and things like that. And I I don't really know how it came about, but uh, something was said about me joining the staff, and he said, uh, you know, are you serious about that? Would you consider it? And I said, yeah. And you know, four or five months later, it's being announced. So uh, that was pretty cool, but. Um, Unfortunately, I haven't had the full experience yet, you know, with the pandemic and everything. I certainly look forward to it. What I do know about the league is that it is the top feeder to the NCAA and the CIS programs. And there are teams all over the province, as far east as Ottawa, as far north as us as Barry, as far south and west as Windsor and, you know, that area. There's also teams in the Golden Horseshoe and the GTA. Um, travel on a normal regular season schedule, usually set up similar to college where you head to one area geographically, hit a few teams in the weekend type of thing. Um, playoff structure, there is league playdowns, and then there's a provincial tournament, which is usually held in March. Um, the one promising thing for us right now is that this hasn't been canceled yet, so we're hoping that that stays that way. And I think if we get to play there, we're pretty confident as a program that we have a really good shot at, uh, at taking this home. So we're excited uh, for the opportunity. Should it uh, should it stay on the schedule? Um, I, I really uh, didn't know how I'd fit into the role in the program. Um, just wanted a new challenge, you know, bringing, being in the women's game. It was obviously a lot of uncertainty going in that. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, we've had to make adjustments almost day to day with everything going on here in Ontario. This program's done a great job of finding ways to keep our players on the ice, you know, developing a, a really safe bubble and following protocols going above and beyond for safety, um, as well as getting them exposure to pursue college and university spots. So far in our four months, we started on August 31st, went 100 straight days without any COVID complications, uh, ultimately got paused on December 11th, I believe, and uh, so far... Uh, we've got eight players committed on our roster today to university or college programs for next year. So I think the, that's probably uh, the most in our team's program history. So really, really good for us and, uh, you know, as a team and a program. And, um, you know, throughout that four months, we were on the ice around four or five times a week. One week, uh, one night doing power skating stuff, uh, another night practice, and then we'd squeeze in one or two inter-squad games weekly. Uh, we've been streaming those games through uh, Facebook platform, sending links out to about 100 coaches on our email chain across North America. Again, NCAA and NCIS programs. Uh, the stream was averaging about 300 to 350 views, which to me is you know incredible given the times. Um, so that's kind of what we've been doing for the last four months. Um, had a lot of success there, of course, being that uh, you know almost half our roster is you know committed to go to school next year and play uh, play hockey in those programs. As for me, uh, the roles allowed me to really develop as a coach in so many ways. Um, I've taken the reins, uh, so to speak, in breaking down a lot of video for our players, running you know, reviews on Zoom calls to go through our games that we play weekly. This is something I try to do with our minor teams, however, you know, pretty hard to do with minimal resources. So this has kind of given me a little bit better of a platform to do so. I've been given a lot of responsibility outside of that as well. And, you know, I'm pretty thankful for that. So I've had a great experience so far and I'm really looking forward to the last half of it. Uh, should we continue here? Yeah. The, uh, the PWHL, you know, really is a league with a lot of opportunity and uh, eight players on the one team with commitments. That's a, that's an outstanding number. And I'm sure a lot of people will be taken back when they hear that, uh, you know, in Ontario, uh, women's hockey is growing. You're seeing it at the youth sports level and, and in minor hockey and, and, and throat as you are across Canada and the U S 
Uh, just talk about the growth of women's hockey uh, from your perspective and, and the level of play that you're seeing um, in that league and just uh, in your other experiences overall. Oh yeah. I was aware of the women's game. Obviously it's been put on a, a platform now for everybody to see, which is fantastic. Um, I think the growth in Ontario here has been great. I think the PWHL has had a lot to do with that. I think the CWHL, you know, had a major, major factor in that as well. The girls here, and I'm sure this is the same everywhere, they need players to look up to. And in the last decade or so, they've certainly got them. The PWHL is getting players now from not only out of province, but out of the country. You know, some examples, we brought a player in from Halifax this year. She was She's an excellent hockey player. Um, she's going to go on to do some great things. And I believe last year, the leading scorer of the league was Americans. So just speaks volumes to the, to the reputation of the league and, you know, how high the caliber of play is here. Um, with the Sharks program here, we've really taken a focus on uh, the outreach to our community and, and the players involved in our, our younger Sharks programs. Our ultimate goal here in Barry is to provide a Barry dominant roster, um, you know, as, as many uh, short list of, of billets as possible. I think we've done a great job of that this year specifically. Uh, the more our junior Sharks program continues down the road, I think the better we chance have at sustaining the goal that, uh, that we're looking at there is, is being Barry oriented. So, um, yeah, the, the game and the trajectory for the women is, is certainly going in the right direction. Hopefully they can figure things out at the top here shortly and, um, you know, lots and lots of potential there for sure. Yeah. I think the potential is a great word that you use there. And just the fact that you're being, uh, you know, invested in the community and things like that, that goes a long way in, in building that, uh, you know, someone to look up to and kids are more aware of these opportunities and, uh, down the road, I'm sure we'll see numbers uh, continue to grow in that area. So COVID has obviously played a big factor as you've touched on, uh, in a few of these opportunities for you and, Another one that I just wanted to touch on briefly is the uh, program of excellence with the OHL and OHF. Um, just talk about the opportunity of, you know, potentially being able to go to that as you hope to in the future and uh, just what you know about that program from other people. Yeah, it was a great opportunity. I was given uh, in February of last year, I got the call that I was selected to the coaching staff for the camp in Sudbury. Uh, unfortunately, COVID took that away from us, which is, you know, disappointing, but I'm looking forward to, to going again in the future. I do know that there's um, multiple, multiple programs uh, through the U15 program of excellences. Um, so there's locations in Oshawa and Windsor and, you know, a couple other areas. Um, I was, I was locked in to go to Sudbury for ours. So, uh, it's a three day program. The itinerary is well laid out, um, players from all over, you know, you can apply or you're selected. Uh, basically what the program does and, and what, uh, what it strives to do is really get those, those Bantam age players going into their next year, just a little bit more exposure and a little bit more work from, from a different perspective, um, so to speak, you know, learn from coaches that are, you know, a little bit higher level or same level that uh, can provide, you know, different insights on your game and um, just really develop the, the other side of the game that maybe I haven't seen before. So uh, really, really good program that's put on by the OHF and the OHL. And, you know, I'm really excited to be a part of it going forward. Yeah, a great development opportunity for you. And just then you talked about, uh, you know, how players can see things from a different perspective or get the coaching from a different perspective. Uh, a lot of people think that different perspective can come in coaching male hockey and coaching female hockey. You know, just from what you've seen here in a short amount of time, what are some of the differences, if any, in coaching the two? And does your approach change as a result? 
Yeah, I think one of the things with, you know, the difference between men and, and women in the game and, and coaching in those roles is um, just the, the gap between, you know, whether it's skill or whatever and being significantly different. Um, I was one of those people that was kind of narrow-minded, and this has really opened my eyes um, about the women game, women's game a lot more than, you know, I've been notified of, you know, previous to it. I think the biggest thing for me has been the communication. Um, the girls tend to take your message a lot more literal, meaning uh, you really need to break down the detail of your message to get your point across. Um, an example of that is, you know, starting out in September, I had some drills drawn up before they, uh, where they did exactly what uh, I showed them on the board, which of course you love that because that means they're paying attention. But the one thing that uh, I do with my practices and my drills is I allow for a lot of creativity and skill to flow in my drills at the discretion of the players, of course. Um, however, they end up doing the drill exactly how I drew it up and, you know, wouldn't make any alterations or anything to it. So, um, I think the communication was the biggest obstacle for me. I'll, I've obviously, you know, had some time to, to work the kinks out on that one. The one cool thing that I've really taken away from, from coaching girls this year is I've noticed how hard they work and how much they want to learn. I don't think I've ever had players ask me so many questions and, uh, I love that initiative in a player. So um you know there's there's lots of bright spots there obviously you know a little bit of obstacles that i've been able to overcome and i think um you know i'm going to be a better coach for it at the end of the day yeah a great point there and i've been able to see the girls game uh, through some programs here in newfoundland with vision hockey and uh it really is a, a different perspective and uh you're seeing the commitment and the drills you know the intensity uh that I mean, you see in boys at various levels, but it's consistent uh, in the girls game from what I've seen anyway. And uh, it's exciting to see that as well. Uh, some more questions for you here. You know, you had a, a lot of hockey influence early on and, and being in the homemade rinks and the ponds and things like that. Do you feel it's important to have some kind of connection to the game early on to be a successful coach? Or do you think that's something that you can, you know, kind of start a little bit late and, and develop uh, through your experiences? I think it's important, but I, I certainly don't think it's critical. I mean, I would I would say I'm a bit of an outlier here since I even started coaching before I finished playing. So I think that's puts me in a unique spot there. To be honest, I, I didn't even really uh, know that this is what I wanted to do until, uh, you know, another story. Uh, I, I didn't really figure this out until I went to my first coaching conference. I think I was 23 or 24 years old. Uh, Ed Morrill had just brought me on uh, to be a part of his staff in my first year in 2016. So uh, we went down to Buffalo to see Dave Smith. Dave Smith uh, used to coach at Canisius, so he was running a uh, conference there. He's obviously now the head coach with uh, Rensselaer. Um, so again, this is before I even coached a game. Never been behind a bench before. And we show up to this coaching conference. You know, we're a little late driving from Barry, so uh, there was that and. I didn't really know what to make of the situation. I showed up in, you know, khakis and a t-shirt, and I think I was wearing a Blue Jays hat. And I look around the room, and there's D1 and D3 coaches all over the place, dressed up nice in team gear, team golf shirts, dress pants, shoes, the whole nine yards. And I'm sitting in the front row just so out of place. And we start this presentation, and, you know, certain guys are running certain topics. And, you know, I'm asking questions. I'm making suggestions. I'm taking in this wealth of information that's, you know, being put in front of me. And that whole ride home, I, I think I told myself a thousand times that this is what I wanted to do. This is what I wanted to do. And this was the dream that I wanted to pursue. And um, 
you know, I certainly use the experience from my time being a player, as I'm sure every coach does. But uh, I, I, in speaking to, you know, my coaching experience being a younger guy, you know, I don't think it's the be all end all that you don't have that that early time. If you're committed to, to doing something like this, then, you know, you'll develop when the time comes. That's a great point there. And uh, we're seeing so many coaches come in later, uh, you know, maybe just being involved in a different sport early on and and then having that experience uh, later or that opportunity to coach and taking it by the reins in that way. Uh, you talk about the future pursuit uh, of things you want to continue to do and continue to stay in coaching. You know, it's a little bit hard right now, maybe with the, the situation we face, but in five to 10 years, uh, where do you hope to be? And uh, just give us some thoughts on your long-term goals. Yeah, I love and hate this question at the same time, and I'll look at it from both angles here. Obviously, it's important to have goals. I think that's, you know, quite obvious. It's a stepping stone to achievement, and, uh, you know, there's different ways to set those goals, whether it's short-term or long-term. I'm one of these people who lives in the moment and really enjoys my time in the present. Uh, I'm very fortunate. Hockey's given me some of the best memories of my life, and I'm, I'm so fortunate to have I've met some of my closest friends through playing, and I've met some really great friends through coaching as well, and that's probably what's most important to me. Um, and, and going forward, I'll continue to, to have that value at the forefront, uh, whether I go to the rink every day or not. Uh, if I had to put a tag on it, I'd like to be in, you know, the major junior or college hockey level and, you know, a five to 10 year window, I think. Um, currently speaking, I think I'm in a spot where I'm really knocking on that door. I think I've, I've been speaking with teams and coaches for the last eight months or so, letting them know that, uh, what I've been working on, how our program's been doing, you know, how I'm involved. And, um, I think going forward, I'm right there. So just, uh, again, putting in the work and, you know, uh, got my head down and just continue, uh, to work with the program I'm involved with and, you know, hopefully an opportunity, you know, rises, you know, sooner rather than later, but, uh, you know, I have patience and, you know, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. So, uh, again, just, you know, the, the present is, is where I live and, um, I'll continue to do so. I always tend to put people on the spot with that question because people want to be optimistic, but don't want to get ahead of themselves and, uh, stay humble with their answer. But no, I think that's a, a really good way to put it that you don't want to kind of force anything, but at the same time, you know, especially during a, a pandemic or a stoppage it, it's an opportunity to uh, kind of test some skills and, uh, you know, take some courses, learn different things through conferences uh, or just calling people, uh, doing interviews. That's kind of the way I like to do it. But, uh, you know, all these opportunities to, uh, you know, continue to uh, grow your skill set and, and stay sharp for when that opportunity does come and, you know, when that opportunity presents itself to attack it and uh, put your best foot forward. You know, a lot of people learn through conversations, but a lot of people also learn uh, through community programs and, and books and things like that. And the people at My Hockey Resource think the same way. They're a community on Discord uh, with people in video coaching, coaches, scouts. Uh, I'm a member, you know, so many different people that just go on there and talk hockey and suggest different forms of resources. So for those listening to the podcast, if you'd like an opportunity to talk with people and, and learn through these resources, check out My Hockey Resource on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Sam, for you, what are some of your favorite, uh, you know, resources, whether it be books, podcasts, uh, conferences, et cetera, that you like to learn from and look to for new ideas? Yeah, I don't do too much of uh, the digging for books and articles, so to speak, for material. Uh, I'm not sure why. I, I guess it's just not something, uh, you know, that piques interest to me. But uh, one thing that I've really taken a shine to 
and this started again after my first year um i i you know in normal times i loved going to, to coaching conferences over the summer you usually hit about three or four a year uh one that i was a regular at was um the Niagara coaches conference which is run by uh, a few people that uh, i've come to use as resources and kind of build a relationship with there you know west wolf and frank ernie and murray nystrom a couple guys that run it there i've enjoyed learning from them and getting to know them over the last couple of years attending that one gone to the OHL one and uh, I've, I've done a couple you know along the way as well um, you know now with the pandemic you know taking a serious effect on gatherings and things like that obviously that resource is kind of taken away from us but a lot of them have done a really good job adjusting and um, they've brought their sort of conference to the web and um, you see a lot of webinars that are being put out right now and I do have an additional role with um, the OMHA is a coach evaluator for the Berrien area and one of the biggest things that I push the coaches that uh, that I connect with in that role is they uh, this is one of the greatest resources at your disposal most of them are free um, so I've been really invested in that one that um, really comes to mind in terms of you know adapting well and using the the web as as a great resource to convert to your your conference to it's online is the nhl coaches association mentorship program i've been able to uh to go on pretty much all of those um they obviously offer the live option but uh, they do keep the recording on their website uh, uh to to you know watch following uh if you can't make the addition the initial time so um, been able to to go through all of those some really great coaches that are on there um, so I, I think the the conferences itself usually was was my uh, foundation for for resource and you know developing my knowledge of the game um, I've watched a ton of film in the pandemic and I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit later but um, that's uh, that's the big resource for me yeah for sure and all great uh, great things to learn from and uh, you know, you, you talked about how coaches can, uh, you know, do uh, opportunities like that with a, a mentorship program through the NHL and and different things. Uh, maybe I'll backtrack and and a question that I also want to throw in here. Uh, you know, you're you're helping these coaches, uh, you know, continue to stay sharp and things like that. Do you have any suggestions or methods for coaches who are maybe looking to navigate the pandemic and, uh, you know, maybe even stay connected with players during this tough time? What are some of the things that you would suggest? Uh, building on that question yeah i mean i can look at this from two perspectives i'll look at it from from a team perspective i mean if you're in a coaching role and you have a you know a team roster that you're working with throughout the year given whether you're playing or not uh, our sharks program has been you know able to navigate through the last couple of months um you know being away from each other we've done some really great things um staying connected with your players is pretty important if you're coaching them i think uh, in this position, you really have to think outside the box and find ways to keep them engaged. Um, our programs on ice activities, as I mentioned, shut down on December 11th. Since then, we've had four Zoom calls, and if I'm not mistaken, three of them, um, three of them when we brought guests on to speak about certain topics. Um, you know, obviously, after a while, that might get boring, so you have to throw a bit of a wild card in there to keep it light. One thing we did uh, last week, actually, we did a family feud tournament on Zoom and it was pretty cool and the girls had a pretty good fun time. So uh, that's something that we've thrown in there as well. And again, we do tons of video, you know, obviously having a lot of downtime. I've had the privilege of watching a lot, uh, creating clips specific to a theme. Uh, we focus on one or two themes on the call 
most of the time it's it's our games that we're watching and i'm breaking down our our inner squad stuff um uh, so they have the ability to see what they do on the ice uh, i always find that's a, a huge benefit to give a player perspective from from the bird's eye view um you know another cool thing we did recently was uh we actually followed along together on the gold medal game between canada and the states last week uh through our team group chat so that was pretty cool to do um but again it's just trying to find that balance but you uh you definitely have to you know be creative and think outside the box uh from a team perspective for sure um as a coach for myself uh, the biggest thing for me during these rank free times is using the resources at your disposal. Like I said, uh, I've been really invested in those webinars and I take a lot of time uh, making sure I'm going through those and I'm taking the knowledge that uh, that I think I'd benefit from there. And, um, you know, again, uh, there's there's other resources available as well. Uh, the other thing that I've been doing a lot of, again, I spoke uh, spoke to it a little bit in terms of communication with with coaches. Um, I've been really, really proactive um i've been talking to a lot of teams trying to you know let them know where i'm at trying to get my name in the jar so to speak and barry's a big place and ontario is a big place as well but however the more you push your name around the more circles you're going to put yourself in so i've taken a lot of pride in that um and lastly i've spent you know a ton of time developing myself as a coach um i think that's been the most important to me i think this is one of the biggest years in terms of learning for myself that uh, that i can remember so i'm pretty pretty proud of that and how much time i put in and how much i've I've actually developed, uh, you know, even in four months. So um, the last thing I've done a lot of, as I mentioned, was video, uh, both breaking down and cutting. I've been working a ton on that specifically, more so breaking down uh, than the technology side of cutting. I'm still uh, working the kinks out on that part. But uh, again, with time, I'll find my way there. Um, just finding clips to show our players, whether it's our games or, you know, I've done a little bit with the NHL stuff and I did uh, – I just recently did, um, you know, a, a clip segment on uh, from the gold medal game, um, something that I just noticed and picked up while I was watching live, um, you know, to speak to it. Um, I found that, uh, you know, Canada was really unsuccessful on the half wall off the cycle and they wouldn't attack the middle. So, you know, Saturday I rewatched the game twice and found about 10 or 11 examples um, to put together in a clip that, uh, you know, I'll present to the girls and, and kind of show that aspect of it. Um, but the, I think the, the video is something that I really wanted to uh, develop as a skill. And, you know, I've been able to do that with a lot of the free time. But, uh, yeah, just really, you know, um, continuing with variability and, and, again, just putting in the hours. You know, we have tons of time, and, you know, I've been taking advantage of that. So, Yeah, really, really good advice there. And I think uh, it ties a lot of different things that we've talked about in the conversation uh, into one question there. And uh, a lot of these things are, are kind of things that you pick up along the way and little lessons that you learn uh, a lot of times, even through mentors. So uh, to tie a question together here, who are some of the mentors who have helped you thus far in your career? And maybe talk about some of the major lessons that they've taught you in the process. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the one mentor that really sticks out uh, is Eddie Morrow. Um, he's definitely my biggest. There's no question there. He brought me in in, in the coaching world in 2015. I'm, I'm so grateful for that opportunity over the years together, he's taught me values of coaching, you know, being innovative and the importance of learning the game. This guy, you know, day in and day out is always trying to find ways to get better. And, you know, I'm truly grateful to have, to have learned from, from a guy like him so far. And, um, you know, coaching together now, we, we talk every day and, you know, sometimes the phone call could be about a topic that should take two minutes, but here we are talking an hour later. So it's just one of those things where, 
Um, you know, I'm pretty grateful to have him in my life. We have some great times together. We've obviously developed some great memories and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be anywhere without him. So pretty, pretty grateful for him. Um, aside from Eddie, um, I have some great friends in the game as well who I connect with frequently. Uh, your previous guest, Connor Catterett, good friend of mine out of Stouffville there. We've been good friends for, for quite some time. So we bounce ideas off each other a lot. We work together on a couple of projects as well. You know, we have similar aspirations. So, you know, we put our, put our brains together and, you know, we formulate some things uh, to help, you know, help each other out. So um, he didn't give me a plug on his episode. So I'll give him, I'll be a nice guy and I'll give him one here. Um, being from Barrie though, I, I, I haven't had, uh, there hasn't been many guys that have really come out of here uh, lately as players. I mean, the last one was, was Brent Burns and, you know, coaches, you know, not a lot either here. So, um, you know, I hope to and strive to be in a position like that when it's all said and done for me. I've been pretty lucky to be given the opportunities that I have so far, uh, but I also think that uh, that I earned them and I was deserving of them. So I, could, I plan to continue that. Um, in terms of, you know, the major lessons that I've learned, I've learned so much in such a small amount of time. And I look back sometimes and it's just amazing to think um, if I had to peg, uh, you know, a few important lessons that I've learned. I, I think the most important one is that it's just a game at the end of the day. I think sometimes uh, I get carried away. Um, you're not going to change the hockey world overnight in a week or whatever. And my career, I mean, you know, if you look back, it's been mostly successful teams. I have not done much losing. Um, so when we lo we would lose a game, I'd, I'd go a little nuts. I wouldn't sleep. And I, it was kind of like the world was ending sometimes. And um, I think I've learned to harness that competitiveness in me and, and realize those situations for what they are. Um, I've also learned so much about uh, what the word team truly means. And I think being a player growing up, you gain so many life lessons and characters from sport, characteristics, excuse me, from sport. But as a coach, having the eye, the eye in the sky, so to speak, I've really noticed how vital each part of a team and is, and and that togetherness is is one of the most critical keys to success at, at with regards to anything team related. So, um, two big takeaways that uh, that I've taken there from from not only those guys, but from from the game as well, in my experience. Yeah, the game and the interactions uh, go hand in hand with teaching lessons, and two really good lessons there that I'm sure a lot of people. Uh you know, also agree with, and, uh, you know, it's exciting when you uh, can go into these different roles. And like you said, you, you think that you have this long, you know, path to before you can learn these things, but it just takes one position in the right situation. And sure enough, you're, you're learning all these little things that will uh, pay dividends down the road. So as a final question here, uh, looking at your career as a whole, and maybe looking even at yourself uh, in the past or someone who's looking to make that jump into coaching and get that start, what's one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful in the world of coaching? I get asked this a lot. Um, the, the first thing I'll say is uh, if you really want it, say yes. And the reason I say that is because the way that it started for me in terms of a team role, obviously coaching um, the skill development and stuff came to me via a job, but uh, from a team role perspective, I started in probably one of the weirdest ways. I got out of school. My mom told me I had too much free time on my hands and I needed to find something to do. So she said, go and help a team. So she hooked me up with a team. I went out in January all the way through to April while they were playing. And you know, I helped out of practice and I, I did as much as I could on the ice when I was available. And come April, Ed called me, I was sitting on my couch at home and he said, Hey, do you want to be a part of my staff going forward next year? And 
I honestly sat there and I had no idea what to say. I didn't want to let him down. I didn't want to let my mom down. I didn't want to let anybody down. So I just spur of the moment said yes. And it ended up being the greatest decision of my life. So um, it's it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you can develop the opportunity or it can come to you. It's it's the choice is really yours. Um, in terms of wanting to get into coaching and why I get asked this a lot and why I think this is important is um, – the way that the question is worded is one thing. And when they say they want to get into coaches, into coaching, excuse me, um, I always tell them it's not something that you get into or dip your toe into. You ha- you need to be all in. And it's a serious time commitment. And I think people forget to realize that. And when you earn or you, you're rewarded a coaching role, whether it's assistant or head coach or whatever spot you're in, you owe it to your players to be committed. And I think that's so, so important. And it, it may speak more volumes at the minor hockey level than the junior level, but again, you're developing future players and they need you to be there and they expect you to be there and being a former coach in minor hockey. And like I said, this could apply to junior as well. This role isn't for everyone and it does come with requirements. Um, so they, people, I always try to make people aware of that going in. Um, and like I said, this role is critical for the development of future players. The other point I'd like to make uh, as well is uh, don't take the scenic route or, um, actually, sorry, take the scenic route, excuse me. <laughs> um, shortcuts do you no favors. Uh, it's a long journey. I've obviously experienced that. I've been a coach for up, uh, coming up on six years and I've learned a lot in my six years and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trade that in, in for anything. So, um, shortcuts, you know, they, they might get you somewhere higher along the way, but, uh, you know, you're spending a lot of time there learning. So, uh, I truly believe the scenic route is the way to go. Yeah. And a number of great points there. And I think they all really tie into the essence of coaching. And like you said, it, it really is a commitment. I know just from my short experience, it's been uh, maybe a little more than I originally anticipated, but it really is, uh, you know, it's great at the end of the day, if you can help the kids improve and, and you see that development on and off the ice. So Sam, a number of great answers to those questions. And I just want to thank you again for taking some time out of your evening to join me on the podcast and hopefully things are better in Ontario soon. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Yeah, thanks again for having me on. Uh, you know, podcast has had some serious success lately, so good luck going forward. All right, thanks. Take care. I'd like to thank Sam for joining me on the podcast and engaging in a great conversation on coaching at the junior and minor hockey levels. With a strong grasp of the grassroots level, Sam was able to speak to a number of topics in that area while also providing some pandemic-specific advice. So for sharing all that, I'd like to thank him once again. If you would like to get in touch with Sam to learn about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Greg Thompson, Director of Hockey Operations with the WHL. Greg is an intelligent hockey mind with experience in both hockey ops and the business side of the game. So listen in to that episode on this upcoming Sunday. Once again, thank you everyone for listening, and thank you for your support as of late. The podcast is rapidly growing, and we hope to continually grow and bring new guests on in the near future. As always, stay safe, and all the best.